Hello and welcome to the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. My name is Ross LeCain. I'm bringing my 25 years industry experience together with leading experts around the globe to give you the insights on how to live a better life and grow a profitable mortgage broking business that you are proud of. Welcome to another episode of the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. I'm Ross LeCain. Today we have a fantastic guest, over 40 years of experience that he's bringing to the table to help guide us with his wisdom in terms of what makes a successful mortgage broking business and franchise. Uh, welcome, Paul O'Regan. Paul is the CEO of LJ Hooker Home Loans. He's been in that role for the last six years, is it, um, Paul? Yeah, so six years now, yeah. yeah. And previous to this, he was 14 to 15 years in Rams and he developed their franchise model within the business and has a lot of experience and knowledge to, to pass on to brokers today. So, you know, we met uh, you know, a couple of months ago where we did some work with LJ Hooker Home Loans and, you know, we got chatting and I thought your wealth of knowledge would be great to share. So uh, welcome aboard. Well, thank you, Ross. Appreciate it. Let's sort of give a bit of an overview in terms of, you know, what I'm keen to understand is, you know, how you got to where you are today in terms of the CEO of uh, <clears throat> LJ Hooker Home Loans and some of the lessons that you've sort of learned along the way in regards to fresh franchising and sort of growing a mortgage broken business. So, you know, let's you know, go back in terms of when you started in the sort of the broking arena and give us a bit of your history. Yeah, look, Ross, and thanks again. Um, look, basically, it really in the broking industry came about through RAMS. Um, even though prior to that, I was in the ANZ Bank and was primarily towards the end of my career there was with a uh, company called Asanda. And Asanda used to deal with brokers and the bank back then used to look at brokers as, uh, well, why would you want to touch a broker? Why wouldn't people come to us direct? And so I got, I sort of cut my teeth in terms of the Asanda side of the business as I'm looking after, I was I my first major leadership position where I had sort of, oh, I think it was 70 odd salespeople looking after about three different states in the specialised leasing area. And we had to deal with a lot of brokers. Interestingly, over that time, Rams were, um, were looking for somebody new to start up in Victoria and unbeknownst to me, was sort of having a look behind the scenes as to who's who in the, around Melbourne and approached me to join them. So after a really great career with the bank and the and Asanda, uh, made the move, loved the idea of a private business and the fact that, you know, own balance sheet, own P&L to run. Um, and so when I joined Rams, it was very much a, um, you know, a contracted sales force, employees. And then what we did is we said, hey, look, it's getting a bit tired, that business model. Why don't we look at something new? And so we threw it up in the air, looked at, you know, full broker model, looked at contractors, employees, and looked at franchising. And I was lucky enough to travel and look and talk to a lot of franchise businesses outside of finance as well as in finance. And really I started to understand the dynamics with franchising. And that's what I love these days is just the fact that you're B2B and it's not an employee-employer relationship. And it was really great that we built a great business up in Rams and a great franchise business that's still going today, owned by Westpac today. And, and over that period of time, uh, I was approached again when Westpac took over uh, Rams to go somewhere else. And uh, I was locked in there for a little while with Rams. So eventually that company that had approached me was LJ Hooker. 
and I actually joined the real estate side of the business um, initially and then was actually put into the uh, the home loan side of the business as head of home loans and then COO of home loans and also part owner. Um, but again, it was franchising. And that's what I loved at Rams. As soon as I heard about LJ Hooker, I said it's franchising, completely different business um, model to finance, but yet very similar finance and real estate in terms of the way they build their business and how franchisees and how you deal with franchisees and I suppose um, the dynamics about that B2B, which a lot of people uh, don't really get. Um, whereas, you know, one of the areas I'd say is um, it's really important to understand that. And one of the things I've learned over a long period of time is, you know, franchisees are entrepreneurs, they're small business owners, and they need scope to grow their business. Uh, hence why we've developed a few different uh, nuances to the business models I've been involved in. Yeah, love that. And I, I agree. And, you know, I sort of cut my teeth in Wizard Home Loans. So back in the day when I sort of started in Wizard around the year 2000 and, you know, really back those days, it was the the big three sort of that played in that space. It was Wizard, Rams and Aussie. You know, obviously I went transitioned into Aussie, but, you know, they were the, the outside of the, the big four banks. They were These were the brands that were floating around at that point in time. And, you know, I know as being a franchisee, you know, the difference between being an employee and a, a, a franchisee or self-employed for those self-employed brokers, you're, you're exactly right. You're not dealing with someone. And again, it's more challenging from a management side of because I was on the other side and I was probably the pain in the ass that you deal with <laughs> the, the franchises who want it all. And, uh, you know, which is funny because, you know, I did a, I listened to a podcast that James Simon did uh, the other day and, you know, he did it with Andrew Stevens and I was like, ah, oh, you know, looking from the outside now, I've been out of it for a few years. I was like, oh, he actually had a real <laughs> business, right? He He's um, the actual, I could appreciate it, not from a franchisee where I had my hand out, but from the fact that he's run a really good business and the way that he ran his business was was quite good, right? Whereas a franchisee, you kind of want it all and you're, you've are you got what's in it for me and you, you're sort of always looking out for yourself rather than looking at appreciating the whole business model. So I can appreciate there's some challenges that come with sort of a franchise businesses and the nuances to lead a franchise business is different to when you're leading, say, when you're working for a Sander and leading 70 you know, PAYG staff <laughs> to now when, you know, in your Rams and the role that you're currently in as CEO of LJ Hooker Home Loans, where you're dealing with the demands of the, the franchises. Yes, yeah. very much so. So, and the other thing that I, I take out of that was, you know, you've, uh, <clears throat> you've run the real estate side of, you know, you're involved in the real estate side and now, you know, moving across to the LJ Hooker side, that's given you a really good understanding of both models and yeah. in terms of what works for real estate and what works for a mortgage broker, given your long history with RAMS. So, you know, one of the things I'm keen to sort of understand today, and obviously you've built a business model around it in terms of that relationship with real estate agents, is... You know, how we can better understand what a real estate agent wants 
Yeah. And then how we can de deliver that from a mortgage broking side. So considering you've developed that within your business, I'm really keen to sort of get your thoughts on, you know, both what a real estate agent wants and how can a mortgage broker serve that? Yeah, great, Ross. And what, when I was, uh, when I was back in the real estate of Al Jayooker, um, I was a COO there for a number of years. And the great thing about that was it gave me exposure to all the real estate franchisees around Australia. And when we were looking at the mortgage side of the business, we said, look, it was probably a bit underdone. Um, real estate was the, you know, was, was the big area of the business. And what I did is I, I took a step backwards and actually went to the real estate franchisees and said, what is it that you want from a mortgage broker? Mm -hmm. And a lot of them said, nobody's ever asked us that question. And I said, well, I want to understand because we want to actually build a brand new business model uh, LJ Hooker Home Loans. And we want to actually make sure that we're actually tailoring it towards what your needs are. So it was a refreshing look at, um, at the way things were. And some of the things they told me, it's common sense, but unfortunately, sometimes it gets overlooked when you're building you know, historical businesses and how you actually try to uh, run historical businesses. But things like um, they wanted people who were business owners. They didn't want a Paul O'Regan home loan guy coming into their business as a sole person not investing into the brand, uh, rocking up, looking for leads and adding no value to them. Um, so really simple stuff. But um, again, they said, what we want is somebody that wants to build a business on the back of the brand, whether that's shop fronts, whether that's staff, whether that's um, you know sharing some of the leads or their database with the real estate people and vice versa. It just wasn't happening. And some of that came from, the feedback to me was uh, brokers would generally go and uh, call on a real estate agent and just say, G'day, how are you? Haven't seen you for three or four weeks, five weeks. Yeah, have you got any leads for me? Um, and that really, and put it bluntly, really pissed off the real estate people because it was adding no value to them at all. So the way that we looked at it, we said, okay, the way we built our business model today is very much around, we don't even go and ask for business from the real estate guys. What we do is we connect with them, we understand them, and then we start adding value to their business, whether that's providing leads from what we can do, uh, you know, giving some commentary around uh, what's happening in the economy in terms of interest rates, in terms of the pressure points that could come to the salespeople or the property management people in the real estate business. So adding that sort of added value and actually getting that real good connection where you continually come in there and then the leads will start to flow without asking for them. So. It was a very, um, very simplistic approach, but one that just wasn't happening. And certainly the real estate people were, as I said, they just said that we, we saw brokers as people that just came in when they wanted to leave and came out and weren't adding any value, weren't contributing to the brand, the LJ Hooker brand. Um, so therefore, we built this new business based around a lot of what we learned from the real estate people, Ross. Love it. And, you know, a couple of things that you said there resonate with me. I, I run an accelerator program and I do a, uh, you know, a series on, you know, creating profitable referral relationships, right? And this is exactly what I teach is around the value that you can provide. You don't go in giving, your, your, you know, with your handout expecting leads because that's a turnoff, right? So, you know, it's just like in any relationship, there's a courting phase and you've got to add value. You've got to be desirable. You've got to make yourself attractive. How can you make yourself attractive? It's by adding value. So if we dig this and sort of peel back the layers of the onion and say, well, 
what are the ways that a broker can add value to a real estate agent? All right. So in your experience, what are some of the ways that a brokerage can add value to a real estate agent? Yeah. And look, it just some off the top of my head straight away, Ross, would be, um, you know, talking to them about somebody that's going to be purchasing a property, whether they actually will qualify for finance. So therefore, stopping, I suppose, time delays, people wasting their time. Um, so actually making sure that the people looking to purchase a property will be able to afford their finance. So helping them there and add value. Um, the other one is providing leads. And we know as brokers in the mortgage industry, there is multiple, multiple ways where you can provide leads to other people. Um, you know, we, we've got a core logic program in place where we where we know when people are looking to list their property. So we can actually go to our real estate agents and say, hey, look, do you know somebody in your area is about to list? Do you think you should give them a ring and maybe get on the, you know, get on the phone list to say that come out and have a look at listing that property? So there's a number of ways we can, but the biggest one for me, Ross, and, and you know, what I loved about when you came to our conference and spoke to us, um, it, it gets back to really getting that connection and really that relationship um, with the real estate people and adding value and not asking for leads. Um, that was really old-fashioned stuff. Unfortunately, it's still happening, Ross. I can mm -hmm. tell you now, we, we have LJ Hooker real estate franchisees that say, oh, we had Joe Blow from um, that brokerage down the road come in asking us for leads the other day, just rocking up to the door and, and adding no value to them. So it's still happening these days. And yeah, that's why we've built this business a little bit differently to what um, what previously it was. Yeah, definitely. And I know it's still happening because I get on the phone with brokers constantly and you know, ask them, you know, oh, we've tried that in the past. Um, you know, you break down what was their approach. And yeah, their approach is exactly yeah. what we're talking about, right? They, they approach things um, going with what's in it for me and putting their hand out and wondering why it doesn't work. But, you know, as in all of life, you know, you get uh, what you give. And so if you give um, more value, then you will receive that back and you'll yeah. receive it back in, in spades. Yeah. So and Ross, just to give you a bit of an example, and I suppose, you know, it's always good to quantify things and just so people are sort of understand. The old business model we had, um, we were getting about 5% of our settled business from real estate leads, which is really, really poor when you look at it. And when I was in the real estate role, I was a little shocked by it and thought, wow, we've got a really stuffed business model here. When I went outside of our business and spoke to some of the other real estate mortgage businesses, it wasn't that much better. And so I thought, wow, something's not right here. Um, hence why I went to the real estate franchisees to understand what was happening. Right now, we're sitting at about anywhere between 20, 25% of our settled businesses coming from real estate leads. So we're at a huge growth um, mm -hmm. and we've got less franchisees um, actually getting that sort of business at the moment. So so we know it works. Um, it can be a little bit longer getting that connection right, but it does work for us. Oh, definitely, definitely. And in terms of, you know, that's great, right? Because they're getting that lead flow. And I think if you look at it, and I've dealt with, real estate agents in the past and if you understand the mechanics of them and their business and I think another you know point to talk about on the sort of the other side on the broker's side of things is you know dealing with real estate agents comes down to speed right because yeah. I sort of quite often I talk about you know leads from real estate agents in some instance they're a bit like ice 
because if you're not on to them straight away, they sort of, they melt away pretty quickly because yeah. you know yourself, right? You go, you see a property, you get excited by that property and you know, maybe a couple of hours later, you've thought about that property and you've thought about the the four things that that property doesn't have that you really need. Oh, I need a bath to bathe the kids. I need a garage to store my, my bikes in. I need this. It doesn't have that. And so with the excitement for that property, the relationship with that agent that may have given you a lead has sort of gone down, right? Whereas yeah. if you're on that lead within a couple of minutes from when you receive it, they're at the still at that peak state. Um, the likelihood of converting and building the relationship is there, right? And so, you know, when it comes to working on the business and providing the systems and processes in the business, we have to align the back end of the business with speed because I think you probably found that when you were talking to the, the agents, what they want is that speed they do ross and, and i'll give you a quick example of what that is the agents and the sales agents they want to get that soul sticker up as soon as they can because they want to get onto the next sale and they want to get their commission and move on um we work on very quick turnaround time with our lenders that we've got so that we can actually meet the needs of the agent so you know if we can say to an agent hey look we'll get you an answer within five days and you get your soul sticker up so you're not subject to 30 days finance or whatever there's in the clauses, then it makes such a difference in terms of that relationship. But as you said, Russ, speed, it's about speed. Mm, yeah, definitely. It's about speed. And yeah, it's a good reminder if you want to play in whatever place that you want to um, play in strategically, you've got to align your business to be able to deal with the type of business that you want. So if you want to play in that space, where you're trying to get referrals from your back end, better be supportive of speed. You know, like yeah. what you've done in your business, Paul, where going with this sort of white label approach allows you to control your turnaround times a little bit more and, you know, and sort of deliver on what that sort of promise is. Yeah, no, it certainly does. The other part with the real estate side, Ross, which is very often overlooked, is the property management side. And the property management side, and this is when I said at the start, the similarities between um, real estate and, and finance brokers is not that dissimilar in terms of when you've got a business. So the property management book is like our loan book. It's reoccurring income, it's saleable, it's a database. Um, the real estate people obviously are very protective of that property management book as we are of our loan book. But once you get their confidence and once you get the right connection, that is what we call the silver bullet because mm. you've got, you, let, I'll give you a quick example, Ross. You've got a landlord there who's got five investment properties with a real estate agent. They've got, say, a million dollars equity in those properties. How would it be if I, as a finance broker or mortgage broker, could get on the phone and say, look, well, I'm from LJ Hooker. You've got your rental properties there. How about um, we've got some new off-plan developments coming up. We reckon you'd be really good. And I think you've got enough equity in your properties at the moment to actually help you get into this property, are you interested? And again, you've, you're helping the um, the real estate guys, you're helping yourself, and you're helping 
now create that customer loyalty for LJ Hooker by adding that extra value. Yeah, so they get a sale, they get another uh, property management, property management yeah. on their books and uh, you obviously get to do the, the mortgages Finance. and get another client that you you know can get the repeat and referral business from, right? So, yeah, yeah and in... Uh, my career, we, we had a good relationship with uh, one of the real estate, local real estate agents and they had you know, a really large uh, rent role and yep. property management book. And so, you know, we would do joint seminars and, you know, we yeah. did ones on property investment. We did ones on first-time buyers. We did things on, you know, adding granny flats to their property and got a granny flat builder involved as well because that gives them another, you know, another door, another rental sort of income. Um, and so there's so many different ways if you really partner with these guys, yeah. talk to them about, you know, again, adding value. And adding value is not just by sort of giving the business, but it's by creating platforms and opportunities, whether that be, you know, a webinar, whether that be an in-person event, or whether that be sort of joint promotions through social media or email campaigns. Yeah. Um, there's lots of ways that you can add value, not just, you know, by giving business. And I think, you know, when adding value, we've got to <laughs> about all the ways that we can add value to real estate agents, not just in the form of giving business. And, yeah. you know, one of my top brokers uh, that I was working with in Melbourne gave a great example of, you know, ways that we can all find referrals for real estate agents and saying, you know, every loan application we do as brokers, we ask a question and the question is, what's the value of your property? And, and you know quite often they'll tell us an answer and we'll write that down that answer but there's a couple of ways that we can do that right so what his suggestion was you know there's two ways that um, your property is going to be valued one we're going to get a bank value and we're going to do a bank valuation second yes. what the market thinks and you know the the people i know who are best across the market is the local real estate agents you know, I've got Bob Smith from <coughs> Home Loans in Parramatta. What about I get Bob to come out there and, and give you an appraisal on your property, right? So, you know, very simple. We do it all the time, but we don't add that little step. Yeah, they might say no, um, but, you know, if Bob Smith is a good agent, Bob Smith will want to play the long game and he'll want to do that appraisal so he has that person on his database, right? I know. And so, you know, simple tips like that in terms of how you can sort of create that bigger partnership and add value. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good. All right. Well, let's, um, you know, again, I want to transition into what we were talking about before in terms of you've obviously been in management positions for you know, a long period now and you've managed a lot of brokers. You've seen a lot of, you know, people who have been successful and you've probably seen some that have not been successful. So in your sort of leadership, again, what are some of the traits of the top performing brokers that you've worked with in both your Rams and the LJ Hooker franchises? Yeah, so and again, looking back with the franchisees that, um, that have come on board both in the Rams days and also the LJ Hooker days, really varied backgrounds and um I suppose the biggest thing for me comes back to 
you're either you're either 100% in or you're out. And the ones that have been most successful are the ones that are 100% in, have bought into the franchising system. Um, and, you know, we've been lucky in that the, the, the franchise systems that, are, you know, that I've been involved in and developed have not been narrow franchise systems because I, I believe the narrow ones will stop the entrepreneurs from actually being the best they can be. So the systems that we've had are a bit more like that and we've got some boundaries, mm-hmm. um, but certainly not as strict as a, a lot of franchise systems. So it's given the entrepreneurs the ability then to grow their business in their own way that suits them. Um, you know, if you try and uh, cookie cut everybody into the same mould, then you're going to, I, I believe, this is my personal opinion, you'd have a disastrous franchise system. Why would you go into franchising if you're doing that? You actually want to develop and learn from all the mistakes that people make and all the gains and successes that people have. So the ones that have been best in my eyes have always been the ones that are 100% committed. Um, they've got that entrepreneurial flair that will actually make sure they grow from their own strengths and they use the franchise system for the weaknesses that they've got. And, you know, luckily, again, the systems I've been involved in, we've been able to have really great experienced people that will be able to look after, whether it's marketing, whether it's employing people, whether it's social media, um, whether it's compliance, that we've had people that can actually pick up the pieces or the weaknesses of a franchisee um, while they just get on doing their strengths um, and growing their business from there. But the ones that have really been successful and stepped up are the ones that have got the best um, connections and the best cultures in their business, but also the ones that are actually looking out there and growing their business, not just sitting there by themselves, expecting that things are going to happen and they're going to grow the business as an optimum that you're going to get to when you're by yourself, where you're going to have to make that decision to actually keep growing. You're going to have to either put people on or you're going to have to look at a completely different system than what you're doing at the moment. So um, their ability to be an entrepreneur and have a really good culture. And one of the things, Ross, uh, and I know you were at the conference recently with us, one of the things that uh, I've had my whole career is built around just the right culture and the right people in the business. And that luckily goes uh, down to the franchisees in terms of where they are going to grow their business and what they're going to do in their business as well. So, um, yeah, so that, that's really, for me, um, it gets back to that, you know, that culture, the desire um, and working to your strengths and obviously helping getting people in to help with your weaknesses. And I've always, always said, Ross, that, you know, the biggest weakness a person can have is not putting up their hand and asking for help. And one of the things I always say to our franchisees and their teams is if you are if you are struggling somewhere, whether it's personally, whether it's in business, don't just suffer in silence. You're part of a, a franchise group, a group that is not a big group. I've been lucky that I haven't had massive franchise groups with Rams and, um, and El Joker Homelines, and that's purposely uh, been built that way so that we can actually genuinely look after people uh, when they need to. Uh, but also make sure that they continue to be successful and grow uh, where they can be. Very long answer to a short question, Ross. <laughs> no, 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 that's good. I think, you know, the things that I take out of that is it's, you know, and it's a great book that with the same title, Who Not How, right? So it's um, who can I get to help? those areas of weakness that I've got, not how can I do it myself? Because what I find is a lot of people struggle and try to do it all themselves. And rather than investing in people who are going to be much better and do it in a much more efficient way, which is allowing them to focus on the things that they're good at, I'll get a lot more enjoyment and scale. So I think, you know, there's, there's commonality from what you're saying around the people that focus on who they can get in to help them scale 
And again, it doesn't come without its sort of challenges and investments and tough decisions. But the other thing um, you mentioned was culture. Right? Yeah. How important is creating that culture, even in a small franchise business to, you know, and again, it's that culture, it's that feeling when someone walks into your LJ Hooker Home Loans office that, hey, these people are here to help. And yeah. uh, it's very obvious from the business that you walk into that have it and the ones that, that don't. Yeah. And in culture is, in franchising and culture, um, and when I was lucky enough to go around and look at other industries as well as the finance industry and franchise, I found it was it was very complicated. The people said, oh, I said, what, you know, what is it about? What is it that you do? What is your culture? And you know, there's reams of paper and bloody things on walls and all. And I broke it down really simply. And, and this is this is where I look at uh, creating a really good culture. And the you know, first point is really caring about the people. And people can just say caring, I care about you. And that's not really caring. This is about really caring about their people, their family, the people within their business, um, and treating it like as best you can as a family. Even though we know business is business, family's family, it is really caring. And I've got so many examples where um, where I won't go into today where we have really cared about people in the biz, people in our business to the detriment of the business because it was the right thing to do. And and that's important to set that culture um, within the business that it's that you're not just saying something. Uh, the other part is communication and communication, two-way communication, always two-way communication. Don't be afraid about getting open communication from franchisees. My support team um, and also the franchisees are really open with me. They're not frightened to actually challenge me about anything that's happening in the business. And I'm really open about everything from the profitability of this business to where we're investing into the business with our franchisees. So there's no hidden agendas. There's no hidden secret commissions happening anywhere. It's all open uh, as to what we do. And then the last part that I look is of, of the three that I create, the culture part, is profitability and people making profit so that it's making a difference to their lives and their future and their family moving forward. It's no use being in a business unless you're making money. Let's get, it, let's get things clear about that. You're not in business to lose money, which causes more stress, which causes personal issues. Um, we're in this to make sure we're making money. So, so that's the way I break down in terms of when I say what the culture is like. My what, what my were the standing, three things? Can you go over the three things that you said? So the first, yeah. One. So it's it's basically caring and really caring about people, yeah. communication, and the last one is about profitability, profitable franchises. Yeah. Um, and and one of the ways that I sanity check that, Ross, is that we're really open about engagement surveys, and you can be anonymous, it can be open and so we, we undertake um, at least twice a year an engagement survey with our franchisees and to get some open feedback as well as at conferences and so forth and when we're meeting them face-to-face. Um, but I'm, I'm really proud about that the engagement surveys at the moment are the best that we've had in the business. And that's because I'm a better leader than I was a year ago, two years ago. Um, if I go back 20 years in my first leadership role, I was a manager and I was a prick. And I was the type of person that I wouldn't want to work for today, but I made a lot of mistakes and I learned a lot about how to treat people and how to get the best out of people and that actually uh, make good businesses over the journey. Um, and you know, I, I share a lot of my mistakes and bad experiences with people um, when I get to know them a lot better. But 
that's that's created the situation today and also back in the Rams days of having really good culture and good leadership skills through some really bad performances by me previously. Yeah, and, you know, that shows you're a leader, you're willing to sort of admit on a sort of public podcast that, hey, I've, I've made mistakes, you know, I wasn't perfect, I've, I've grown. And I think, you know, it's important to know because I see a lot of, you know, brokers get to a level of success and they may get to a level of success pretty quickly. But what they do is they outgrow themselves, right? They outgrow themselves and then they don't have the skills to actually manage what they've grown, right? And then so that starts impacting them personally. It starts impacting their personal lives because they haven't, you know, put the work in to grow themselves personally because if their business has got to grow, they've got to grow personally, right? And so the skills that got them to there aren't going to get them to that next level. And, you know, I think for you, what are some of those skills that if you reflect back over the last, I don't know, 12 months, what are some of the skills that you've sort of really worked on in yourself? Yeah, so personally what I've done is I've become, uh, and leadership's really uh, can be quite a lonely thing because um, as well as being CEO of the business, I'm also part owner of the business. So I don't really answer to anybody and it's been really tough for me to actually, I, I actually liked the fact that when uh, I was at Rams, there was a board at Rams that I used to have to go and, for want of a better word, report to, but it wasn't like reporting. It was about basically shooting the breeze, saying am I doing the right thing here? Uh, so where I am in the last 12 months is I actually do enjoy getting people like yourself and outside people into the business that I can talk to and, and get some new ideas about am I on the right track, aren't I on the right track? I I read a lot of, um, you know, the MPA and all the, all the industry things, but I actually like to go outside our industry too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got mates who are in very different industries that I'll go along to their sales meetings or their corporate meetings or whatever they're having just to try and understand how they're doing things and whether it's whether I can pick up things. And but one of the things that I had done in the last 12 months especially is I've got a cracking support team and everyone says that, but I know I have and I've had... Yeah, part of my support team, I've had people who have been with me for 30 years on the journey and I've had people who have been with me 10 and 15 years and the least person's now up to about five years that's on the support team. And I've let go of basically all responsibilities in terms of, um, in terms of getting involved with the way that they want to run their side of the business, whether it's the state managers and they run their state, whether it's the product and marketing who's created you know, the other white label program, uh, whether it's the compliance person. Um, I've become basically a mentor, just sitting there listening, asking them questions at times, but very, very rarely telling them what needs to be done. Uh, more about asking them, what do you think needs to be done in the business to keep growing the business and where have we made mistakes? Where do we fix it? So, so again, learning that you just let go gives you the ability to keep growing and also gives them the ability to keep growing as well. You know, the retention is a big thing in this day and age of people. Uh, and I've been lucky that I've had cracking teams around me um, in terms of longevity uh, with me. So a part of that is, um, you yeah, know, just giving them ownership. And the big thing with me, uh, Ross, is once I've got somebody on board, I trust them implicitly mm-hmm. in the team, whether they're franchisees, whether they're support staff, uh, that are helping the franchisees grow their business. And for me, family comes first. And we've got situations at the moment, both within the franchise and the support team, where there's really major personal issues going on. 
business then comes second, third, fourth. Um, and I've said to them this, I said, you don't have to ring me up and tell me that you need a day off or whatever. You know, that's not the type of business that we're in. There's no hierarchy uh, structure in this business that I've created. So um, so again, it's it's really about trusting people and it gets back mm. to that word culture. You know, mm. If you've got the right culture, you're not second guessing your people in your business and you will continue to grow yourself as well personally. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think... Yeah, that's a great message for anyone who's looking to employ staff and grow and um, really to be able to let go of what you're doing now and to trust and empower someone and ask them the questions why it's not working. What are the mistakes? How? What can we do to improve it? What are the suggestions that you've got? Because, you know, quite often what I see is, you know, especially in a broking industry, you might have a banker that's sort of done the whole process and, you know, to let go of the things that they shouldn't be doing, those $35 an hour tasks so they can focus on the $2,000 an hour tasks is very common, right? They want to be that point of contact. They want to do the things, you know, rather than having, you know, your, your LJ Hooker Home Loans Parramatta office that's providing the service. It's, you know they want to be the one that gets the referrals and gets the name. They've got to change the paradigm in terms of the way they think about their business and to give up control. And what you said is how we give up control is we've got to trust. Yeah. Otherwise, who who is responsible? Right? You're responsible for everything and it's going to really ham your, your sort of growth within the business. So on this sort of point in terms of, you know, it's interesting um, your business model in terms of, you know, you use a lot of sort of white label funding and, you know, for people who aren't familiar with the sort of business model, do you want to sort of explain your business model yeah. a little bit, um, you know, to give yeah. people an understanding of how LJ Hooker Home Loans work and we can dig into the white labeling a little bit. No worries. And, and Ross, um, you're being very kind when you say it's different because a lot of people have called it many different names and mm. different's probably a good one, <laughs> but it is a, it is a very different model. We, uh, when we put the model together, there's a couple of things. We, we knew we had an iconic brand that we were, we, uh, we were part of, and it's a 95 year old brand heading towards a hundred year old brand, but mainly real estate, but it still gives you the ability to get into the door and it uh, gives you a brand versus, you know, a Ross home loans or a Paul home loans. So, so we had the brand. Um, the old business model uh, was very, was just a pure broker model. It was a sub aggregation model. Um, so we, when we when we bought the business from LJ Hooker, so myself and another business partner bought the business from LJ Hooker Real Estate. We said, let's have a look at a brand new business model. And you know, being part of brands and being a securitized lender, um, and it was really you know, you, we didn't have it wasn't a broker model, even though it had a little bit of. Um, a third party stuff happening there. So we said, look, what we want to build is a brand new business for what we believed was sort of today and the future going forward. There was a lot of noise about Royal Commission and conflicted remuneration. Um, so so we had to say, look, what do we want to be? So what we did is we put together what I, I think is probably the best white label program in the market, but I'm a little bit biased. Um, so we, we have six white label lenders um, of which we get really great turnaround time, great access to their BDMs, um, you know, good competitive interest rates. And we also have what we call um, a couple of other lenders that aren't white label lenders, uh, just in case that they uh, white label lenders don't fit or we can't get the credit through or whatever. 
that doesn't happen that often. A uh, majority of our business does go through uh, white label lenders. And as I mentioned before, some of that speed um, associated so that we can get to the real estate guys and say, we've got the approval for you. Um, but the other things that we built into the business, which is important, is that we've only got 58 territories in Australia. Um, so we're, we're looking for people that want a medium to large size business. Uh, we want people that want to grow a business. Uh, we're not looking for uh, the sole uh, broker that just wants to sit there and um, try to grow a, a, a sole business by themselves. So the good thing about the 58, Ross, and we could have cut it up into 300, but the 58 to me, and it could have been 60, it could have been 55, but it's 58. Um, the great thing for me is that I know that we can provide the right support, you know, that caring, the communication, the business growth for 58 franchisees. If it gets into 300s and 400s, it gets pretty tough. Um, you know, you've got to have a, a, a big infrastructure below you. You've got to have a big machine to make it happen. But we also wanted to make sure that the franchisees coming in, Ross, had the ability to grow. Um, you know, it's really hard that if you're in a franchise business and you've got a small patch to look after and you're trying to grow. So you've got to try and get another patch. Um, some people won't let you do that. Some people will. But for us, we wanted to give massive patches. They've all got real estate offices in those patches uh, so that we can generally get people on board that want to grow that business. Uh, so that's attractive to some people. Um, we, 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 look at, um, we look at recruitment like, a, like the old triangle pyramid um, where there's lots of people interested and, it, and it's sort of, as you start learning a bit more about our model, you know, people get less interested and then you get to the point end where people really like what we're doing. The other really important one that our franchisees feedback a lot to us is that we've got a loan processing team. Um, so basically for $395 a month, um, regardless of the amount of files that are put in for each franchise, you've basically got somebody that will you do all of your data entry that will be like a backstop in terms of, you know, the pay slips out of date or whatever before. So it makes it go through, reduces your rework rate, gets your speed again. Um, so again, you know, we, we've built, I'm not going to go into all the, the advantages that we see of our business model, but they're the main ones um, is that we've got great white label program, um, We've got uh, obviously the loan processing team. We've got these large territories as well. Um, and as I said before, the engagement survey we've done has come back in terms of support we provide um, is just really, really strong that we are doing the right support, which is what we say we do about caring about people and the communication. Um, I suppose the acid test again comes back to you know, how well are we going? Mm. And um, if I'm really proud to say that you know, the, anybody that's been with us for two years or more of our franchisees are in the top 50% of the MFAA um, tables that they come out in terms of how much people are riding. So we've got nobody in that bottom 50%. And we've also got a number of franchisees who have only been with us for three and four years that have got $100 million loan books. So, yeah. so we know if people come and they come with everything we've spoken about today, um, that they can be successful. Uh, and, and that's by us helping them. You know, it's primarily about them because, you know, they're the entrepreneurs, they're the people that are putting their livelihoods on the line. But we do provide genuine support to help them um, in terms of uh, different areas of their business, Ross. Love it. And I think, you know, having that number of different, you know, white label offerings and, you know, speaking to the guys at the conference when I was there the other day, I was, you know, I was saying, are they competitive? And he's like, yeah, like they stood behind and they're like, yeah, they're super competitive. And, you know, talking about, you know, some of the different niches that you guys play in, whether that be, you know, one of the guys that I was talking to was saying, you know, he does a lot of self-managed super fund 
lending and you've got a vehicle yeah. that provides competitive rates on that. And it's a bit of a niche that he can provide. And so, yeah, putting themselves not only in the niche of real estate, but in well, what can our offerings that we offer on a white label, how can that differentiate us in the market and really playing to the strengths of what those white label products can allow them to do? Yeah. One of the other things, Ross, which I, I just have come to bright in my head, is, which is important too, is, and this this goes again in terms of the culture and the business that we've grown, is that if after, it's a five by five year franchise agreement, um, if after five years somebody wants to get out, there's no loss of trail. Hmm. Um, so we, we're not we're not trying to handcuff people we, we believe that if we're doing the right thing and we are the right business and we're, we're backing up everything we're saying, people will not want to leave us. So we basically said, let's let's put that in place so that people know that, um, hey, look, you know, they can walk away without any loss of any any trial, which is uh, which is pretty unique for a lot of the businesses out oh, there. Yeah. Definitely in a franchise model. I don't think uh, you with one of the branded ones, at least the ones I know, it's... Uh, very rare, right? So, uh, and yeah. after that term. So, um, love it, love it. In terms, of, I want to wrap this up. But one of the yeah. questions I ask all my podcast guests, and you've been in the industry for you know forty plus years, as we said. So, what would be your piece of advice? Your sort of one big takeaway for someone looking to grow and scale their mortgage broking business. Yeah, and, and this will come this comes from experience because I've seen the people that have asked this from me. And for me, it's it's do not try and do everything yourself. Um, if you try to do too much and it gets back to that, you'll get gold diffused, you'll do nothing really well, you'll get frustrated. So for me, if you want to grow your business, um, you know, whether it's talking to Ross, whether it's coming and talking to different franchise groups about how we can help grow your business. Don't just sit there and think you're by yourself. There is within the industry, there's lots of people that can help you. Uh, and then once you've committed, you commit to a 100%. Um, and you make sure you've got a really good, robust plan in place that you can tick off, or you've got somebody that's going to keep you honest if you want to continue by yourself and grow with support behind you in terms of not loan riders or other brokers, but if you do admin support. But again, it's not just sitting there just thinking you can do it yourself because. Yeah, you know, there's not too many people that can successfully do it themselves. Yeah, well said. It's such a complex business. There's so many elements in it that uh, yeah. it's not that business that you can run as a, a solopreneur. So uh, great <laughs> advice. And thanks so much for your time, uh, Paul. I think, you know, there's been so much value. And again, it comes from that place of wisdom that you're obviously sharing because you've been around the trap. So uh, thanks again. Uh, no worries Ross and thank you again for having me and uh, yeah, thanks again for your contribution at the uh, recent conference it was fantastic no worries thanks right. Ross so uh, this has been another episode of the Billion Dollar Broker podcast if you'd like to get in touch with us there's a number of ways one follow us on the podcast on your favourite channel whether that be Spotify Apple or the favourite uh, channel Otherwise, you can join us on the Billion Dollar Broker Facebook group for mortgage brokers. If you'd like to inquire about being coached by me, uh, reach out to us at billiondollarbroker.com.au and I look forward to having a chat. Until next time, I'm Ross Kane, and we'll talk soon.